Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. How are you doing? It's so great to see you. I love that we sang about how the Lord does great things because the Mariners won yesterday. Woohoo! Yes! If uh, the Mariners were going, they were going to play game three today, which means that we probably would have canceled church. Uh, Just kidding. I would have watched it back there while you guys look at something different. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. Welcome. I'm excited for today uh, because we've been in this series on King David for quite a while. Uh, This is week six of that series. We have more to learn from the life of King David, but what what we're going to do today is I'm going to weave together uh, a story from the life of King David and some more stories and share some more pictures from the trip that I took to Malawi. I've been trying to figure out how I can best share about that trip with you all because it's important. I think I said this like the week I got that first week I was back. It's important that God grips all of our hearts for the people and the work of the church there. Um, and so what I'd like to do today is I'm gonna, we're going to take a look at a moment in the life of David after he's become king. We're going to highlight one takeaway from that story. And that takeaway is going to shape our thinking, both personally in our faith and how we live that out here and now. But it's also going to shape our faith in terms of how we think about what's happening in Malawi as we meet some of the people there and and hear some of those stories. So we're going to jump in. We're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. And uh, we find this fascinating exchange uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 7 between the now King David and uh, the one we might think of as his pastor or the prophet Nathan. So I'm going to read the first three verses for us, uh, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it a bit. It says this, that when King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Now we just want to pause right there because this is such, a, such an incredible way to start this passage. If you think about all that David has gone through up to this point, all that we've talked about in our series, it has not been an easy journey for David, right? He's been struggling and, and fighting for years and years and years at this point. And so I love how the author is just like, it's like this sentence is a breath of fresh air in the story of David. It's like a deep, oh, finally. When the king, when King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God, or also in other translations, the ark of the covenant is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. (laughs) I love this response from Nathan. So at this point, everything is going pretty well for David, right? Uh, Everything has kind of seemingly come together at this point in the story. uh, he He has defeated the hated Philistines. He's united the northern and southern kingdoms at this point. It's a pretty significant thing. He's established a new capital in Jerusalem, and these are like major things in the life of the, of the people of God. He's established a new capital in Jerusalem. Goliath is dead. Saul is dead. And David is an extremely popular king. In fact, it says that he's loved, right? So things are going really well for him. And not only that, but David, as we looked at last week, David has kind of redefined what it looks like to be a king. We talked about last week when we focused on this moment of his coronation where he was at, there was two things asked of him in the moment when they gave him the power. They asked him to be a shepherd 
And they asked him to be like a prince, right? So a shepherd, one who cares for the people, not domineering, not using the people for his own gain for more power. And like a prince, one that has grown up from among us, one that knows our language and our story and our culture. David, we want you to be a king that is from us. These are really significant um, aspects of who, what was asked of David and who David becomes as king and not normal for kings of this day. And not only did he say yes to these two things, if you remember, but he patterned his response to the people after the way that God has always done things with a new covenant. He was a different kind of king. He redefined what it looked like to be a king. He used his powers differently. We asked, what does it look like for us to use our power in ways that shepherd people and are like uh, from among the people? The shepherd boy of Bethlehem became the servant king of Israel. That was kind of our summary last night. And we looked at how Jesus modeled that, that one night with his disciples in the upper room where he took off his garments of power and washed their feet. If you remember, powerful connection and story. With everything going so well, David feeling settled and rested and grateful, he got a really great idea. Hey, Nathan, come on over. I got to tell you this, right? Come quick. Well, one commentator I had, I read at this, uh, said about this, that David had a home, a secure and sol- a home secure and solid, a palace of cedar after all of those homeless years in the wilderness. He had reprieve from his enemies. He could rest and catch his breath after strenuous and seemingly endless years of fighting and escaping. He quite naturally wanted to do something for God who had done so much for him. Makes sense, right? That David would want to do that. So our text says that he notes that the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant uh, was living in a tent. And if you remember, the Ark of the Covenant represented for the people of God, God's presence that traveled with them wherever they went, especially in all of those nomadic years. If you kind of remember your Old Testament history here, the Israelites traveled forever, it felt like, 40 years in the desert. And every time they would stop and set up camp, they would set up this really special tent right in the middle of their gathering. They would set up all of their tents around it. And this was the tabernacle. This is where God's presence rested. There's some really cool things we could talk about, about the presence of God in the midst, in the heart of the people. It's pretty cool. So this is what this represented for, for, for David and for the people, that God's presence was still living out there in a tent. <laughs> and David is struggling with this. The ark of God, the, the representative of God's presence living among the people. He's like, Nathan, we need to do something about this. So here's what I want to do. I want to build God a house. I live in this great palace of cedar. It's, it's incredible. It's big. And I want to build a house for God like mine, but much better. I want to have a place where the people can come and see and experience the glory and the presence of God. What do you think? And I love Nathan's reply because he takes like 10 seconds to think about it. He's like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. (laughs) The Lord's with you. And so I bet David's all excited and he's thinking that, man, this is a genius move. This is going to be amazing for our community. This is going to be amazing for the people of God. And then Nathan goes home and goes to bed. And then here's where we find that God actually had something to say about this idea that David had. And God's response here is actually very surprising Because I think at first we see David's gesture is born out of gratitude and it's generous and it would actually benefit the people and the nation of Israel. And I think all of that is true. But what I love 
is that God just thinks differently than we do. And isn't that perspective so important for us to realize? God thinks differently than we do. And sometimes we need to remember that God has a vision for what he's doing and for his people that we can't always see. And I love it. So later that night, God speaks to Nathan in a dream. And we're going to read 2 Samuel 7, 4 through 11 here. It's a, it's a, a, there'll be, the slides will be on the screen, but hang in here with me because this is a, a, quite a bit of, of scripture. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build, me a, house, uh, to build a house for me to live in? It's a rhetorical question, by the way. <laughs> the answer is no, immediately. It's no. It's like, what? <laughs> I have never lived in a house for the, uh, for the day, from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. <clears throat> Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say this to my servant David. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and settled you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. I, now I will make your name famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel planting them in a secure place uh, where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them and they've, uh, uh, won't oppress them as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed the judges to rule my people Israel. I will give you rest from all your enemies. What a response. This is crazy. God, what, you don't want a house? I don't understand. It's a pretty intense way of saying no to David, right? And, and uh, God just just thinks differently than we do. David's human plans for God's house, while well-intended, were not God's plans for the future. And this is important for us to realize and to live this out. One author I read this week said this, there are times when our grand human plans do something, uh, to do something for God are seen after a night of prayer to be a huge human distraction from what God is doing for us. That's what Nathan realized that night. God showed Nathan that David's building plans for God would interfere with God's building plans for David. What a tough job for Nathan to go and tell his king, I got, I got to take the building permit back, <laughs> right? God has a message for you, David, and it's essentially this. You want to build me a house? Forget it. I'm going to build you into a house. The kingdom that I'm shaping isn't what you do for me, but it's what I do through you. Wow. <laughs> I'm doing the building here, David, not you. And my building plans are something far greater than a house of cedar. And I think all of us here sitting in this room can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that that was the plan. Because you know why? You and I are part of the house of God. Amen? We get to be filled with the Spirit of God and get to continue to participate in the building activity of what God is doing. It doesn't just stop at a house of cedar in the Middle East. God isn't confined to that place and that time. The message that, David give, that Nathan gives David is essentially a recital of what God has done, is doing, and will do. God is the subject of the message. 
David, I think, full of what he's going to do for God, is subjected to this comprehensive reminder of who God is and how God works and God's plans. What a reframing and reorienting message for David, and I'm glad he listened. This David's whole journey is about the kingdom that I am building. And it's true to this very day as you and I sit here in this room together. It's not always about our bright ideas. It is about what God is doing and how he's doing it through you and through me. So the question is, how are we making ourselves available to God's ongoing activity of building the kingdom of God? (laughs) What does that look like in your life on a day-to-day basis? From the time you get up to the time you go to sleep, how are you making yourself available to God's work? What kind of conversations are you having? How are you opening your heart and your mind to the work of God in your life and the work that God wants to do through you in the life of someone else? These are powerful questions. And it all hinges on this understanding of this conversation that God had with David through Nathan. Incredible. With all of that in mind, I want to introduce you to a couple of people who I was inspired by who are doing this very same thing. So I want to introduce you. I'm going to show you four of the the primary leaders of the Free Methodist Church in Malawi. And here's how I'll maybe put this uh, this uh, this into context. Uh, One of the things that struck me immediately when I landed in Malawi was just it is it is a poor country, and they uh, it's we we kind of know that, but they just really don't have much not only as individuals, but across the country. And so when I saw what they were doing with what they had, I was just left in awe time and time and time again. And so I want to show you some of the most significant leaders in Malawi. This is Bernard Kalakusha, a pastor, superintendent, uh, Bernard Kalakusha. He serves as the principal of the Great Commission Bible School. Uh, He goes by Bern or Ben. We called him Bern most of the time. Man, this guy was an incredible man. He drove us around everywhere. And we drove not just, in, not just to part of the country. We drove the entire country. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. We were spending 12, 14-hour days in this Bible school van getting from place to place. And as you'll see in a, in a minute, it is not easy to get around in Malawi. So uh, he's called the principal of the, of the Great Commission Bible School, but essentially it's the president of their university or their college. And the Great Commission Bible School is the school uh, for all free Methodist pastors in Malawi. All of our pastors in Malawi go through this school and have uh, Byrne as one of their teachers and have his influence in their life. This is an incredible leader. I'm gonna, what I'm going to ask is, as I show you these pictures and, and introduce you to these people, that you would pray for these people and what's happening. Uh, the, the last couple of years in, in Malawi, it was difficult for us here during the pandemic, but it's been very difficult uh, for the people in Malawi as well, having to make decisions even about uh, which bills to pay uh, in order to keep going. So I'm so thankful for, uh, for Byrne. Uh, his incredible influence in this country. He was an incredible driver. I mean, we were like on the edge of mountains trying to go around like broken down cars. It was, he was like, we got this. I was like, okay, dear Lord, protect us. (laughs) Uh, He served as a superintendent, uh, which if you are familiar with our free Methodist way of doing things, uh, all uh, local churches in a particular area are overseen by a superintendent. Uh, so the superintendent would be my boss here. Uh, he was one of those superintendents in the central area of Malawi. And then above the superintendents is the bishop. Uh, and so 
Uh, he served, he was supposed to serve as interim superintendent for one year, and he ended up serving for three years during the pandemic at the same time of being the university president. So he uh, had a lot to do. The next person I'd like you to introduce to you is uh, Superintendent Jaypit Masani. And I actually was messaging with him this morning. I didn't, uh, he sent me a message and said, we're praying for your service today. Uh, our service was great this morning. And he sent a video of the service uh, that they had. And I didn't tell him, he didn't know we were going to be talking about him. So I was like, hey, we're going to talk about you. Anyway, just incredible. I think God really connected our hearts while we were there. Superintendent Jaypit serves uh, as the superintendent in the north of Malawi. The northern part of Malawi is super rural, and so it's really hard to get around up there, and there are extreme, there's just some extreme hardship up there, and so he is the one who leads those churches, those pastors, an incredible leader. The next one is uh, Superintendent Ronald Chimkonde, and I did not, I only got to meet him briefly. Uh, Byrne was the superintendent in the central area, and he wanted to be done with that, so he could only have one job instead of two, and so they elected uh, uh, Ronald Chimkonde. And so he didn't travel with us because he was just elected and hadn't planned. We're like, hey, come spend two weeks with us, just like that. No, he didn't come with us, so we just got to meet him. But he's an incredible man as well, and it was great to get to know his heart. And the last one I'd like to introduce you to is Superintendent Goodson Peary, and he's a superintendent in the Southern Conference. There's three conferences, Central, Northern, and Southern, um, or Northern, Central, and Southern, you know. Uh, and Superintendent Peary is an amazing man, an amazing leader, has a lot uh, on his plate, and is just a very good, godly person. Uh, and just, uh, they call Malawi the warm heart of Africa, and I certainly experienced that from all of these uh, as we traveled together. This was our traveling group, uh, and we traveled, yeah, uh, we were together for two and a half weeks. Most of those days were in that van, <laughs> except for those days we were at the, the conferences, which the conferences were two to two and a half days long. Uh, and you can see Bishop Matt Whitehead in the middle uh, there. And I just want to say, uh, I'm so thankful for Bishop Matt. He's an incredible leader. One of the reasons that we went is that the those countries that are not yet large enough to have their own bishop are overseen by U.S. bishops. And so the goal is for Malawi to work toward uh, getting large enough as a, de as a denomination that they can elect a native bishop. We don't want to oversee all other areas of the world just with U.S. bishops, but we want to work toward them electing their own native bishop. So we actually started that conversation at all the conferences. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited for what will happen there. Uh, but um, we went over so that Bishop Matt could uh, lead those conferences and help uh, oversee the business work in all of those areas and uh, brought me along to build some of these relationships. But also I got to an opportunity to speak and we helped kind of in some development of some of their board stuff and, and uh, pastoral formation stuff. And it was just really cool. Uh, to be able to go do that. So this was our, our traveling group. So we started out in the middle of uh, Malawi, and we landed in a place called the Longway. This is where the central region is. Uh, and the first thing that I got an opportunity to do, well, this is the Bible school. I just wanted to, sh there's our van that we spent forever in, like two weeks in that van. Oh, it's great. Uh, and then you can see, I just wanted to take a lot of, a number of pictures. This is the Bible school campus. So you can see there's some, there's some, uh, uh, buildings in the back, both classes and dormitories. Uh, and then straight ahead where that white car is, that was the path, that's where Byrne and his family lives. And then this was, this was the house that they kind of reserved for us to have all of our meetings in. They usually leave it open for available for the bishop when he arrives. Uh, but uh, this is a fairly nice house uh, uh, for Malawian standards. 
Uh, and the, one of the first things that I got to do, and I was so grateful, is d- got an opportunity to preach at the Bible, to preach and teach at the Bible school to all the gathered pastors and delegates uh, who were there for the conference. And oh, that's uh, Burn, the Bible school principal, translating for me. And what an honor it was to be able to speak to the people there. I just want to continue as you, as you hear these stories, as you see these faces, I want you to just hold all of this in the context of what we were just talking about in that story of David, where, David, where God says to David, you want to build me a house? Forget it. I'm going to build you into a house. The kingdom that I'm shaping isn't what you do for me, but what I do through you. And what God is doing through the pastors and leaders and church in Malawi is significant. What I saw were men and women who were sold out and dedicated to the work of the Lord and the church and who want to introduce many people to Jesus, as many people as they can, and shepherd them with all their their hearts without much resource. So here's a couple other pictures of the kind of thing that happened at the conference. Uh, I'm in the back taking a picture, but off to the right is where we sat in a space of honor for visiting pastors. Bishop Matt was up at at the table leading the business section uh, and those kinds of things. We got opportunity. We had to wear collars. Collars were kind of common there, especially for visiting, uh, overseeing uh, pastors, and so we wore collars. I wore, I, t- I packed way, way, way too much because that's essentially what I wore the whole time. Uh, and I've thrown those pants away, terribly dirty. Just, yeah, just kidding. Uh, and uh, so this, I wanted to take a picture of this because this is a, a, one of the ordinands. We got an opportunity to ordain some pastors while we were over there, and he's holding his collar. One of the cool moments is that at the ordination service, uh, after they are fully ordained, the bishop puts their collar on them. What a special moment. But the other cool thing about this, and Matt, Bishop Matt said this had never happened before, which is in Malawi, there's not enough electricity for everyone in the whole country at all times. And so what they'll do is they'll turn off electricity to large sections of the country, uh, to save electricity, and, and that happened often to us. So the ordination service was the evening of this day, and probably about 45 minutes before the ordination service, they turned off the electricity, and it started getting darker and darker and darker. So we had an ordination service in the pitch black. <laughs> we had people holding cell phones to try to give light so that we could read what was happening and so that the bishop could collar these guys and not, like, you know, stick, their, stick it in their face or something. Uh, but... Wow, what an incredibly uh, moving moment and uh, very, very thankful. So a lot of pastors uh, got to take a lot of pictures like this with people who uh, I just got to meet and uh, just incredible. I'm excited for for, uh, their ministry. So we will go from the central part in a long way. We drove, got in the van and drove all the way down to the south in Blantyre Uh, and they, I want to show you a little bit about what the driving is like in Malawi. Uh, the roads in Malawi are, are small. This is kind of the normal market, and, and uh, you can see a lot of the, the shops and this kind of stuff. This is what Malawi is like, and this is what you find. Um, and then the roads are, there's not a lot of uh, sidewalks, so the roads are shared between cars and people. You have to be very careful. It was a little dangerous driving at night because you didn't know quite where people were going to be <laughs> sometimes, so we had to be careful. Burn did all the driving, and I was thankful he did an amazing job. But it was a beautiful area of the country. You can see uh, it's, a, it's green, felt a little bit more like the northwest uh, in the southern part of the country, much more so in the northern part of the country. Um, but you can see some of the homes there. They had this place where they, they, uh, the conference essentially rented this place for all the pastors to gather and meet. 
And so this is, we came in these doors over here and you can see the van. And then off to the left here are rooms for all the pastors. They're just concrete rooms where the pastors would stay. And they built this tent in the middle for us to have our gathering. Isn't that cool? Um, and then in the middle here is just Bishop Matt. We, we met for board meetings and stuff in that, in that house right there. And then we gathered together. You could see the road up, uh, up away from our gathering place. We met together. Uh, this is the church, the Free Methodist Church in the southern part of Malawi. Uh, and you can see some of, the, some of the pastors are there kind of walking around. There's, a, there's a, 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 a wall that's built most of the way around the campus. They need to finish that wall so that the government doesn't take their land away. So that's something that they're working toward. But you can also see that they're walking through a garden. One of the ways that the church is often... Uh, uh, provide for their pastors part of the salaries that they'll, they'll give them a garden that they can grow some of their own food. Um, and so the pastors are walking through that. You can see we were looking around there showing us uh, what it was like. So here's just a couple of quick pictures from the gathering itself. These are some really cool and important moments where the superintendent was being reelected here. And so the bishop and, and several of significant leaders were praying for the superintendent in a really powerful moment. Uh, new board members were being elected. This is all just incredible to see the work of the church here. Um, and then there's this really cool, every place we got to celebrate with the graduating students who were there. And I want to tell you just one real quick story about, uh, there's one older man who we met here who I was just curious about, and Bishop Matt was curious about him too, and so we asked about him. There was a man that comes, he's come every year for the last 20 years to all of their annual conferences, and he only comes to serve the pastors. He comes to serve the pastors and the delegates. And you have to know kind of a little bit what that's like. There's no running water in most of the country. You can't just go to a faucet and get water. So you have to go to a well, and you have to bring enough water for however many are gathered. And so this man would come every year, and he, he's an older gentleman. He's one of those guys where you see him, and you're just like, he is full of the Spirit of God. Like, he's just so joyful. I want to be around him all the time. And he came so that he could bring hot water to the pastors every morning, which meant he had to go get the water or, got, or help get the water heated up and bring it to the pastor's rooms every morning. He helped prepare all the food. He helped do all the cleaning. He served us while we were there. Just incredible. <laughs> David, you want to build me a house? Forget it. I'm going to build you into a house. The kingdom that I'm shaping here isn't what you do for me, but it's what I do through you. This servant for the past, to the pastors is one of those uh, women and men who are building the kingdom of God. Incredible. So then we went from all the way down to the south, and it took a couple of days, and we got all the way up to the north of the country. And we met in the Free Methodist Church up in the north of the country. You can kind of see the, the sign up above. Uh, and the pastor's house is in a parsonage just off to the right. We were welcomed into their house. In fact, uh, there's, their, their house is just a brick uh, rectangle, and when we would go in to eat, they would leave so that we could have that space, and they would eat outside. It was, uh, we kept inviting them in, but I guess we, that's just not what you do. They wanted to honor us, and so uh, just incredible. Uh, chicken and chips were our kind of staple food. That is chicken and fries, right? Uh, and uh, by chicken and chips, and then we had this thing that was called sema, which was this... Uh, a white corn mash uh, that is a, st a stomach filler, essentially. Uh, and the Malawians grow up on that, eat it. I tried some, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> it just didn't have much taste. And, you know, it's, I'm so happy to try that kind of stuff, but it, it was very interesting. Uh, <laughs> I think they knew that. So they didn't offer too much after that, but I, was, I told them I was honored for that. 
Um, we were very, very well taken care of. Uh, in the north here, a couple other pictures. I just, again, uh, some of the, the difference of the different places that we went. And this is the superintendent being reelected and prayed over. You can see the man to the left with his hand off uh, up. That's Pastor Samuel. I met Pastor Samuel after I got an opportunity to speak. This is an incredible pastor. I want to ask you to pray for him. Uh, he was so moved by what I had to share and what Bishop Matt had to share that he asked if we would pray for him specifically. Asked if Crossview would pray for him specifically. Uh, his, he's the son of the pastor at that church. His mom is the pastor, and his dad was an associate pastor. And two weeks after we got back to the U.S., his dad suddenly passed away. We would met him there and got to be in his house. And so I'd ask that you pray for Pastor Samuel. He actually wants us to pray for him. He asked if I would be a mentor of sorts to him. I'm like, I've known you for like two days. <laughs> uh, but uh, I just want to ask uh, you to pray for that. The last thing that um, I would like to share, a couple other pictures here of new members. Just incredible work that's happening. The last thing I would like to share here is one of the, one of the things that I was incredibly moved by, uh, which was their worship. I think we have a lot to learn from who they are and their worship. I'm going to show you a video in just a moment. I just decided, even though I was sitting up front, I didn't care if it was like rude or inappropriate. Sometimes I, when they started singing and worshiping, I pulled out my phone and started recording. And then they were doing the same thing. But every once in a while, someone would just stand up and start singing. Oh, it was the most beautiful thing. And then, and then uh, the, um, Principal Byrne, he did a, he did a great job of trying to tell me what they were saying. And so there was one song where they were all, they were walking around the room like this and Byrne got teary-eyed. He's like, they're singing about how the Lord picked them up out of the dirt and lifted them up out of the, out and out of their sin and into new life. And they're all walking around like this. And it just took one person to stand up and start it. And they all go. It was just amazing and beautiful. They celebrated each of their students in each of these conferences by singing and blessing them. So, Andy, let's make sure the volume's up real loud for this. This is beautiful. You'll hear. that beautiful? <laughs> that song rings in my heart and in my mind. Every time I think about Malawi, they sing it at every place, and they all knew it. One person just stood up at all the conferences, and they started singing that. Oh, how beautiful. This country is filled with people who understand what they need is to be a people filled with the Spirit of God, that God doesn't need a fancy house built of stone, but a people built by God, with God working through them and through us. Amen? <laughs> So I hope that you're inspired by even just these few pictures. And we didn't get very much opportunity to go out to the local churches and see what was happening because we were, tra we were traveling to these conferences. But I'll end with another comment from uh, a commentator who wrote this. David was trying to take God's dwelling to the next level. 
Maybe what we need to uh, overhear in this passage are these words to David and the reminder that God does not need us to take anything to the next level when maybe we have so little energy and time or know-how. Rather, we need to let God build us, dwell in us, taking us and his kingdom to the next level. Amen? How are you going to be open and available to God doing that work in your life? And I hope that your heart is somewhat connected here, even in this short time, uh, to the, the church in Malawi. Powerful. And let's pray for these brothers and sisters. Worship team, would you come on back up? I am going to actually pray for us right now, and then we're going to move into a time of communion and celebrate what God has done. Uh, that God uh, has worked powerfully, not only in uh, people like David, but has uh, brought us into his kingdom through the saving work of Jesus Christ. And it is appropriate that we regularly pause and remember what Jesus has done for us and look with expectancy toward the future about what God will continue to do through us. So I will invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and let's just pray together.